Coming up next on the Breadwinning Mums. You know, every, everyone has their God-given talents, whatever they are. Don't shrink them for the sake of other people's comfort. I've seen a lot of, of myself experiences. I've seen a lot of other women experiences where you're kind of taught to be just passive and say yes and make people feel comfortable. But actually, that's not always living true to your talents. Um, I think a really strong leader sometimes does require making some people uncomfortable and making hard decisions. And if you're afraid to do that, then it's going to be really hard to, to live your full potential. Because if you're doing something that you really like and you're passionate about and you're supposed to do, there are going to be dissenters in the room. Welcome to the show. I'm Jane Lim. On the Breadwinning Mums podcast, we debunk the myths of working mums, cheer each other on, and show the world that it's okay to be a mum and still pursue excellence in your chosen area of expertise. Today we're chatting with Rosalind Martin, a fellow breadwinning mum with two children, Preston and Blakely. Roslyn is a senior product manager at Macquarie Group who has recently finished her MBA studies at AGSM and will be starting a new role as a director of innovation strategy. She shared with us her life story about growing up in Papua New Guinea, moving back to Sydney as a pre-adolescent girl and starting her MBA study during her second maternity leave. Here we go with Roslyn Martin. Hello, Roslyn. Hi, Jane. How are you? Good. How are you going? I'm really good, thank you. I'm so excited to do this with you. Yeah, no, thank you so much for making the time. So obviously we haven't actually met in person, but we knew each other from the MBA ladies group from the AGSM, That's where right. you've just finished your MBA executive. Is that right? That's right. Last week, yes. Yeah, congrats. Thank you. All pressures off, I guess, so you can relax a little oh. bit more and enjoy your cuppa. Yeah, exactly. Sleep in a bit more, which is, uh, which is always welcome at this stage in life. That's right. Okay. Um, so let's let's go back to the very beginning, I guess. Would you mind telling us uh, where you grew up? Yeah, absolutely. So I was born in Sydney, but my parents moved to Papua New Guinea shortly after I was born. So spent first probably eight years of my life in Papua New Guinea and all around Papua New Guinea um, and then moved to Sydney in the Sutherland Shire when I was eight and then grew up in the Sutherland Shire pretty much ever since then yeah nice do you remember any of your uh time back in Papua New Guinea 
I do. I really do. You know, I remember the strangest things. Like I remember we had a, a guava tree in our backyard because it was the tropics. We had all of the good fruits. And so as children, we would often be playing out in the backyard, picking gorgeous fruits and eating them. Um, I remember we'd change schools a little bit. So we're at an international school and then a local school. And I definitely remember the heat. Yeah. <laughs> and humidity. And humidity. Um, but it was an awesome lifestyle to grow up as a child because it was there were lots of other children around. You know that saying it takes a village. Um, yeah. We definitely just grew up with other families and other children. And so it, it was lovely. And then but ironically it was less safe at that point in time in Papua New Guinea Mm. we had more freedom but then we came to Sydney and Mm. there's a bit less of that community as much yeah Um, yeah it was more everyone was like in their homes and on tv and things like that so so I do remember uh, quite a bit of it um, Mm. and more the juxtaposition between growing up in Guinea and then moving to Sydney that's probably most prominent in my mind yeah did you have so do you have any siblings I do. I have an older sister, an older brother, and a younger brother. Oh, wow. Yes, okay, two of each. Yeah, four of us. It was a wild time. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Okay. And how did that transition, I guess, from being a less safe environment, but very close knit community to a much safer environment, but everyone's quite separate they have their own independent lives um especially when you're eight years old so you're about to mm. start your adolescence journey right how mm. did that transition uh how was it like for you yeah I remember so a few things I remember one is the fact that we could just walk the streets was blew my mind because it wasn't really safe to do so in some of the parks that we lived in New Guinea. um so that was awesome I love that but I distinctly remember one time after school, I said to one of the friends, oh, can I come to your house to play? And she looked at me and said, that's really rude. You can't ask that. <laughs> where I grew up in New Guinea. Yeah. We you just everywhere. go. Exactly. Mm. You're always at other people's houses and mm. always just say, oh, go here. And um, yeah. yeah, so that was a contrasting moment for me. I remember yeah, yeah. So there was that difference. And then... Yeah, just there's so much more TV watching, I think. In yeah. Than, yeah. I mean, Papua New Guinea was only one channel. Um, yeah. But, yeah, a lot of TV. That was another kind of big contrast for me. Yeah. Do you still have your childhood friend? Are you still keeping in touch? Yeah, so some of them, not from Papua New Guinea so much. Actually, there's probably one or two. Um, but from the Sutherland Shire where I live, a lot of people stay in the area. So yeah, um, yeah. do have a lot of the childhood friends still, which is which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's good. And so what was the young Rosalyn like, even from way back when? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's really interesting. Like if you'd have asked me this before I had my daughter, my answer would be very different. But you know how they say your children are like a little mirror to you yep. and your personality oh gosh so now I can answer that with a bit more <laughs> of my mother's perspective perhaps yep. um little Rosalind was probably quite headstrong and quite rebellious if someone says to me I can't do something I go after it with force 
Yeah. And so does my three-year-old, almost three-year-old daughter. <laughs> it's such a punish to try and get out. <laughs> oh, that is totally what I was like. So I'm just going to get a taste of my own medicine. Mum yeah. is not hearing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, very much into, I love dancing and I loved school. So they were kind of my my two loves. Um, what else was I like? I, I was very close with my brothers, so a bit rough and tumble. We wrestled a lot, had a lot of fun. Mm. Um, but, yeah, we were definitely a handful for my parents. Yeah. Is your older sister the first in the family? Correct, she is. Ah, yes. uh, okay. So you're closer yeah. to your older and younger brother, brothers. Exactly, yes. 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 Okay. Okay, nice. Um, and so when you're still a pre-adolescent girl, I guess, back in Papua New Guinea, did you always know that you were going to work in your career? You know, it's so funny, Jane. I um, If people had asked me what I wanted to do when I grew up, I mean, I probably didn't really know. I probably wanted to be a fairy or something when I was going yeah. But once I moved to Sydney, yeah. I used to want to be those people who walk around the city wearing suits. Ah. I had no idea what they did. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want to be one of these people who just like wear the suit and they walk around the city. I think that's pretty cool. And that's what I ended up becoming. Yeah. Because it so, looked awesome at the time. It looked so cool to me. <laughs> and like back then, it was probably like the 90s, early 2000s. Or yeah. Big shoulders. The high shoulders. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I wanted to be. And like you could say, Fulfilled my dreams, and then yeah. a bit later in life, wanted to be a dancer, which I did get get to be for a bit. Um, mm. Probably not the best long term career choice, but I really, really enjoyed dancing, so I got to teach as well, which is good. Wow! When did how old were you when you first started your dancing lesson? Um, I think I did start when I was really, really young in Papua New Guinea, but I don't quite remember that. Um, mm. Definitely, once I came to Sydney is when I got uh, regularly into dancing. So that would have okay. been like eight, I think, eight to ten. Yep. Um, but I didn't really, I was just doing one or two lessons a week, but I really went into it actually during high school, at the later, when most people get out of dancing, mm. they really leaned into it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, when I was probably 15, 16, I really took it, tried to take it seriously. Wow. And is this a classical style or the more of the contemporary? All of the above. I I really wanted to be good at classical ballet. I just didn't have the body for it, but I had the determination. So did a lot of ballet. I ended up getting my teacher's certificate with the Royal Academy of Dance, which was mm. just an awesome experience. Um, and taught classical ballet. I love it. I'm not naturally gifted at it, but absolutely love it. Um, so I would do more of the, the hip hop and the contemporary dancing where it's where you get more of the gigs, the dancing gigs. So the yeah. Commercial nice. dancing, they call it. Yeah. Okay. So were you doing that professionally or after, yeah. after work? Yeah. So I would do it, I think it was probably after high school when I started getting my first professional dancing job. Nice. Um, and I'd always told mum I want to be a dancer and she said that's, not a good idea if you want to do that you also have to get a degree to fall back on and at the time I was a bit disgruntled about that but in hindsight very glad she forced me to do that because I did get an injury quite early in the dance career and yeah luckily I had some commerce degree knowledge to fall back on and was able to 
follow a career in the corporate world. Wow. So when did you do your degree? So straight out of high school, it was 2005 I started my college okay. degree. Yeah. All right. And so to earn money during university was all the dancing. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you were studying and working yeah. as a dancer as well professionally. Yes. That's awesome. What happened? What was the yes. accident? <laughs> it's actually so annoying because you know, I'm doing all these big jobs and I'm dancing on grass and heels and I actually injured myself teaching three-year-olds how to skip. Um, oh. <laughs> I know. Oh, it was tragic. Um, but I loved to, and I still got to teach even with the injuries and it still bothers me a bit now, just the ongoing injury, but um, it was very devastating at that point in time. So you knew that you were going to be that suit-wearing power woman. <laughs> How about a mum? Did you always know that you were going to be a mum? Yeah, I think I never intentionally thought I want to be a parent. It just was what you did. It was just what I yeah. assumed was, was going to happen. Yeah. But before I met my husband, my friends and I would joke that I'm going to be the single woman with 40 cats you know 60 years old just because I wasn't really that um into the boys or I just wasn't that interested but then yeah I met my husband ended up getting married quite young actually and we waited um seven six or seven years because we got married when I was 24 and then oh wow so you met in high school no we met when I was 21 or 22 yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So you yeah, met yeah. three years, three yeah. years before you got married. Correct. Yes. And um, then I didn't want to have children until I'd established a career and had a house and um, was thirty. For some reason that was a good number in my mind. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's how it happened. Yeah. Wow. How did you guys meet? Funny story, actually. We um, it was New Year's Eve. All of my girlfriends were away at Byron Bay living their best lives, but I had dancing jobs that I had to do. So I had a gig I had to attend, like do a dance at a gig. And um, I remember going home after the gig, sitting there in my house, tracksuit pants. I just ordered a family-sized pizza for myself and I was watching TV. (laughs) And I was thinking, like, Rosalind, like, you're not going to meet your husband sitting on the couch watching TV. Um, but all my friends are away. And then I randomly got a text message from an old friend who said, hey, like, I'm out the front of your house. We're on our way to a party. Do you want to come? I thought, oh, man, this pizza looks so good. <laughs> but, okay, I'll go out just for an hour or two. You know, it's better than sitting at home alone. So, yeah, went met them out the front, went to the party, and I didn't know anybody at this party. And one, I did see one girl who had, I knew she'd dated a boy from my high school like eight years before. So I hung out with her for a bit. I'm like, do you remember me? I don't know anyone. And then my now husband was standing next to me the whole time, but not talking. And he was gorgeous. And I thought, this guy's a dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you standing here not talking to me? You're yeah. really good looking and just an idiot. Um, yeah. 
he's probably too shy to say well, anything. That's what I found out later. He, <laughs> yeah. he was too shy. He saw me. He was too shy to talk to me, but didn't want any other boys to talk to me. So I thought he yeah. stood next oh, to me. Oh, <laughs> so cute. <laughs> really, really cute. But it turns out he was friends with a girl who I'd known from like eight years ago. And then the next day she messaged, let's hang out. So I hung out with her and he was getting her to put in a good word for him. And (laughs) yeah, she kind of eventually teed us up and he um, asked me to go for a skate because I loved skateboarding back then. And I thought that was awesome. It was like, wasn't keen on the romantic stuff at that stage. I was like, yeah, let's go for a skate. And so, yeah. There is nothing that says date with skate hanging out in the skate, you know. Exactly. <laughs> skate park. I'm sure there's no feelings there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, then I did end up falling in love and, yeah. After a while? Yeah, I think actually pretty quickly. It was, I think, I can't remember, was I 21? I must have been 21 or 22. No, it's going to be like 24. Okay. Um, yeah, so we had a really really fun time together he was really fun and then we skated together and we did activities and then hmm. yeah next thing I know we're engaged <laughs> okay hmm. nice all right so what does he do now what's his name yeah his name's Josh he is he sells power tools um mm-hmm. he loves working with his hands and he's always constantly in the garage we have a garage about the size of a house just full of tools yeah. um in fact, right now he's cutting down a giant tree in our front yard and I think he's going to make a table from it. Um, nice. He was, yeah, was a carpenter. He now sells mm. tools. Yeah. Ah, I see. Okay. Um, so how are you guys juggling work and family demands? Oh, this is the golden question. Um, well, look, it's, it's been a journey when... When we had our firstborn, because um, I was on maternity leave and he was working, it just made sense for me to do most of the housework. Mm. And um, once I returned to work, I've, I've been really, really fortunate to work for a company that actively encourage working parents and they assign you a return to work coach because they're really, really supportive. Mm. And my manager at the time said, you just tell me how many days you want to work. We're just we're flexible if you want to do. So I started just two days a week, um, and then worked up to five days. And our nice. return to work coach, she was awesome. If anyone has access to one, I highly recommend. Is this she when got, you were working for Macquarie? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, but they have been so supportive through this journey. Um, mm. So the return to work coach helped us map out what are all the things that need to be done in the house. So think like washing, dishes, pick up, wow. childcare, like all these things. Um, and then we, as a couple, went through, okay, what are the things you hate doing and what are the things you don't mind? So for me, I have like, I'm sure most mums do like PTSD of a laundry. I hate laundry. <laughs> but how can we either outsource it or hand that over and initially mm. I handed over and I said that in inverted commas the washing but I hadn't handed over the psychological load of it um so we ended up dividing up the work based on that who hates what who's okay with what um mm. 
And then as we went along, we realized actually the psychological load needs to be handed over as well. So we have a couple of months handed over the psychological load of washing to him. So he owns laundry. Um, mm. I own, well, when the MBA happened. So I currently don't own much at all. <laughs> at the time, I owned groceries and feeding the family. Um, yeah. He owned everything outside the house. So, you know, the grass, whatever. And we just allocated days of drop-offs and pickups. And when it came to sick days, which, God, every working parent knows about this. Mm. First six months of daycare, your child is sick every yes. single bloody week. Yes. <laughs> the trauma of that. Um, we, yeah. just, we just shared. And we were so fortunate to have incredibly supportive workplaces, um, which kind of allowed for that balance. So it's a long way of answering your question. <laughs> How do we manage everything? We yeah. strategically divided up the yeah. work, listed it all out, divided it out, out based on who hates it the least. So you're married to Josh, currently have two children, right? Correct, yes. What are their names? How old are they? Yeah, so Preston is five and Blakely is almost three. Ah, I love their names. Mm-hmm. Okay. So five and three, kindy and preschool or daycare? Yeah, daycare. And my son starts school in a few weeks. So, yeah. Oh, nice. Up. Okay, so the early early childhood is quite hands-on, right, quite manual. Um, are you doing any certain routine with Josh um, that you think is really beneficial to your relationship? Yeah, it's true. So for the last two and a half years, I've had the MBA as well as working and Everything parenting. else, yeah. So it's like, it's, yeah been a mess and a bit of a blur um you know what's really interesting Jane so I'm diverging a bit but I'll get back to the answering the question um we were talking about as a couple like what's the hardest thing we've been through together and for me I said oh like having a premature baby for sure that was the most stressful thing uh-huh. and he looked at me and said no you doing the MBA has been the hardest thing and I was like what yeah. I mean, I've had a great time. He has yeah. not had a great time. We had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So, so uh, to answer your question, what things do you do to connect? Well, not a lot the last few years, but we're going to proactively start doing some things, like um, yeah. even just once the kids go to bed rather than going in separate ways. Yeah. To just hang out for a bit. Yeah. Um, getting more babysitters in so we can go and do dates and things like that yeah Mm. it's rebuilding season coming up for us yeah yeah that's nice that's a really nice way to put it what Mm. was about you doing the MBA that you think was the hardest for Josh the fact that he had to cover everything else um to do with home life no I the way he puts it is just my being absent um he's like you're physically present but cognitively absent which is totally true because I would be yeah yeah. the way I balance it all is I'd wake up at say quarter to five go to the gym come home study 
and then get the kids ready and walk to work. And then when I came home, whilst I was doing the home stuff, I'd normally be thinking about like an assignment that I'm working on or a concept that I'd recently learned or, you know, just something was always going on in my mind. Yeah. Um, so I think that was the hardest yeah Mm, mm. okay interesting um and so one of your kids uh was a premie yeah my first born yeah oh so how early was he um he was six weeks um what had happened was I was at work I think it was about 30 weeks at work and I went on mat leave early because I had all these physical dilemmas with the pregnancy and then the first week they scanned and they're like there's not much fluid in here I said yeah I've noticed I've like been leaking fluid and the doctor was like what mm. um why didn't you tell me I was like oh I, I just thought they you thought sweet. it was normal I don't know. Was like, yeah 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 um and then so they were monitoring me and the fluid was getting lower and lower and lower and the baby had stopped growing after a couple of weeks and I remember being there and the woman was scanning my belly and I think I was 36. No, I must have been 34 weeks at this stage. So they'd be monitoring me for four weeks and she scanned and like the face drained from her blood. She said, do you have, sorry, the blood drained from her face. She said, do you have to go anywhere? I said, no, I'm on that leave. Why? She kind of left the room and came back and said, you need to go straight to hospital. Um, the baby's heart beats fine. The circulation's fine it's just there's not a lot of fluid in there and starting to shrink ultimately so my obstetrician at that time was in the yacht <laughs> the caribbean so i had to go straight to hospital there was another obstetrician there it's like baby has to come out but we don't have a pediatrician on hand can you just go home and we'll try and find one i'll call you as soon as one comes and we have to um do a cesarean because the baby probably won't survive being pushed out so it was very scary, very traumatizing. We went home, you know, I didn't have all the things ready, like the cot and stuff. Um, went back to hospital. They delivered the baby really, really quickly. Um, the baby was fine, healthy. He wasn't even that small. They thought he was going to be one. I'm not going to remember that. I thought he was going to be one point something hmm. kilos, but he was two point one maybe. Okay, um, so still little. Um, and then he was in special care for three weeks. But the good thing is the silver lining, right, about special care is that you have these baby whisperers with you and your baby for the first three weeks. So they were coaching us on feeding, sleeping. And just so by the time I took my baby home, he was completely sleep trained, fed well. They told me all these things like your baby's very temperature sensitive. If it's not 24 degrees, he won't sleep. And so just all these things. So then when mm. I did bring the baby home, yeah, of way to all the trauma, it was a dream. I was like, what's everyone whinging about? This baby sleeps like all night. And um I know he slept all night. Yeah, I know. What? <laughs> it's it's my second did not, so it lulled me. Into yeah, most false, babies don't. <laughs> false sense of security. He's just yeah. slept wow. all night his whole life, pretty much. There's been a couple of periods where he's woken up once or twice, but um oh wow. Yeah, yeah. He's just an angel. Even just mm. his whole life he's been an angel, and then his sister 
Like yeah. he's made up for it. Just <laughs> 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 through all of the trauma of yeah. know, sleep and feeding dramas and things like that. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. Um, yeah. You know, my first one was also, we actually have the opposite problem. He was there too long. <gasps> I was 42 oh. weeks oh, <laughs> and it was in the dead of summer. I was just, oh. it was, I was just so bothered. Um, yeah. I wanted to do things naturally because it was the first. I didn't yeah. want to get injuries. I waited until 42 weeks, uh, but then I started leaking and then they just said, we have to induce you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when he came out, he wasn't breathing um, as much. So they took him straight to the ICU. He was there for only a week, but it was it was enough to feel like you're kind of separated because he was in that you know incubator he couldn't really yeah. hold him oh, or feed him direct sorry. yeah well it was quite a traumatic experience I guess especially really being the is. first mm. yeah and you have all those hormones I don't know about you but I just I cried for yes weeks yes right yeah in the yes. dark of a hospital room no one was there and you feel so guilty I don't so know about you but guilty. I felt so guilty I was like Oh, I should have listened to the doctors, but you don't know, right? These you things maybe you say, yeah. You, do. you start to think like, oh, I've done something different. Yeah. I do that triggered this. And yeah. I think as well, like any mum who has the slightest illness or ailment with your baby, it's just, uh, particularly with first, it's just so all-consuming, traumatic. And I think for me, the only thing that really got me through it was reaching out to people who'd also had premature babies and being like mm. is your kid okay like well, yeah yeah how like talk me through and then I'd get them to send me photos and videos of their functioning three-year-old just to be yeah. like okay okay it's okay it's all okay it's gonna be okay eventually um yeah even though at the time and probably like similar to you at the time you just it's yeah so, so it's all consuming all consuming so he was in there for a week and then could you take him home straight away yes or? yes hmm. and did you have to have ongoing treatment for him no 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 okay. thankfully it was that was just it hmm. yeah. what about Preston um he he had to have medication like iron and iron and some other regular medication for him um and then he had Often premature babies can have, um, I, don't know how, I can't remember what it is, but there's a couple of things like their umbilical cord can, um, mm. where the umbilical goes in, can be a bit tricky there. Um, I can't remember. I just knew that there were there. It's interesting how your brain just like yeah. washes yeah. that out. That yeah. Very traumatic at the time. And now I can't yeah. even remember the details. Yeah. 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 I know. Um, my younger brother just had his second almost one and a half year old and I was just holding the baby and I thought geez I can't really my youngest is now only four so it wasn't that long ago but I just thought geez I can't remember when they were this small you know right yeah yeah Yeah. you were just on survival mode I guess and you just go through with emotion that's it yeah Hello, breadwinning mums. To start 2023 with a bang, 
I'd like to invite all of you to the inaugural Breadwinning Moms Meetup. It will be on Sunday, 15th of January, 2023, starting from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Sydney time at Opera Bar, Macquarie Street, Sydney. Feel free to take along your mums, sisters, daughters, colleagues, and all of the breadwinning mums in your life so we can continue to cheer each other on. Have a safe and festive holidays, and I look forward to seeing you all in person next year. See you then. So you've been married since you're 24. Um, You've had two children. Your career's progressed and you've completed the MBA. How has your marriage transformed throughout all of these things that's changed in your life? Yeah, that's a really good question. It does ebb and flow and evolve over time, doesn't it? I think with every hardship, it can get a bit stronger or it can go the other way. Um, we're really intentional about openly communicating. I think mm. I went into marriage, I read a book, <laughs> story of my life. Don't we all? <laughs> I read the a nerds. book and now I, I <laughs> my whole life around this book. Um, I think it was Daniel Goleman's Emotional Intelligence, I think it was the first one I read, and he mentioned a study around married people and how successful marriages, you know, here are the top three things that are most likely to be attributed to successful marriages. And one of them was really open, honest communication. Another one was appreciation. And I can't remember the other thing. Um, So we just try and communicate as openly and as often as possible. I'm brilliant at communicating my feelings as soon as I feel them, (laughs) 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 which can be a bad thing. Um, Yeah as he likes to think about it more and then communicate later. So it's really interesting how yep. um, we've evolved through all the different challenges and tried to communicate openly and and just even things like I thought we're having a great time while I'm doing the MBA and he's yep. not. That was yep. a really eye-opening thing, but we wouldn't have known that if we didn't openly communicate about it. Yep. Um, definitely change with kids. I mean, I've... He's just been phenomenal with the children and the housework. And so, he's, so he owns Feeding the Family now, so that's handed over to him and he's just doing such a wonderful job with it. So my admiration and respect for him has improved since mm. seeing him yeah. with the kids, which is, which is awesome. Um, maybe I don't know. I should have asked him about from his perspective. Actually, I did. No. So last night, actually, because I got your questions and so I said to my husband, like, what are the top three best things about being married to me and the top three worst things? And his top three best things were that I manage all the finances and life admin. So he really loves that and appreciates that because he hates forms. So yeah. I do all of the bank forms and things like that. Um, what's the other one? that I like to have fun, which I do, which I thought would annoy him, but actually he really likes that, so that's nice. Can't remember the third. Uh, the two worst things were when I get into task mode. I don't know if you do this or I don't know if this is a thing, but if I'm focused on something, um, yeah. such as, I don't know, say I just I really want to clean the house, then I, I go into this, like, rage cleaning monster. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> get out of my way, I need to clean. Um, <laughs> doesn't love that. 
<laughs> it's my most productive state yeah. of being. So, um, and it probably sees more of it since having children. So <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's to ask your question, how has it evolved? I think at different stages, you kind of see different elements of your partner and um, kind of like grow together and grow apart. But then just, I think talking about it has been really helpful for mm. us, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Okay. Um, so you've started your MBA um, when you were on mat leap, on your second yes. one, right? Yes, yes. Why did you decide to do that to start with? Oh. <laughs> well, <clears throat> okay, so I actually started the journey of an MBA. So I did one um, module at a different university, sorry, one subject university before I was pregnant. Why I wanted to do the MBA was a few reasons. One was that I noticed a gap in the way the executives at my workplace communicated and how I communicated. And I really wanted to, in order to be effective in my role, I needed to communicate effectively to the senior leadership in a meaningful way for them. So that was one thing. And I knew that it had something to do around what's taught in the MBA, so corporate finance and accounting. Um, so there was that piece. The second piece was I was really, really interested to learn the newest way of thinking in business. Um, I thought the MBA would close some gaps for me, but I was also well aware that some of the MBA content is quite outdated. So at the same time as learning the MBA, I started to learn more about agile ways of working and the more modern ways of working. Mm. Um, and then the third one was I did want to progress my career at a quicker pace than I knew I could achieve without it because I knew I wanted to have another baby and it does really slow down your career progression. So they're the three reasons. One, communicate more effectively with leadership. Two, learn the content. Three, career progression. Why? So I did one module before I was pregnant and then when I fell pregnant, I completely stopped because for me, pregnancy is torture and all I want to do is sleep and eat and nothing else. Did you, completely did you get sick? Did yeah. Did you throw up as well? I got sick and I just yeah. I get all the aches and pains. And mm. I one of the side effects of pregnancy for me is losing motivation. Mm. Yeah. For anything, anything outside. Yeah, of it just saps energy. your energy. Yeah. Because you know, you're just, growing this thing. So exactly. Um, and then when I had my second baby, I knew that I needed the cognitive stimulation because with my first, while I was on maternity leave, I just, I went a bit mad. I just needed some stimulation yeah. cognitively. So I thought perfect yeah. timing. Let me do the complete opposite of mothering, which is accounting and finance and corporate finance. The spreadsheet <laughs> does not spew on me. The spreadsheet <laughs> listens to me. It balances out. Complete opposite of parenting. And it lets you sleep when exactly. you're done. <laughs> exactly. Like the complete opposite of the chaos of looking yeah. after a baby is accounting and finance. So um, how old was Blakely when you first started the MBA program now with AGSM? Three months. Wow. Old. Just yeah. after the fourth trimester. Yeah, exactly. And we had just gone into lockdown. In oh, no. So were you the online? Yeah. Everything yeah, online? Every, 
everything was online, which was perfect wow. for me because I would be in yeah. class breastfeeding. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the way I could work it out is I'd put the baby down to sleep. I'd put the monitor on and I'd go into the office. And so I have the monitor next to my computer so I can watch her safely. Yeah. But it yeah. just meant I got that like two hours of unbroken focus. Yeah. Um, what is the best I've ever done at uni in that, that first semester? Because I was so hungry. Yeah. Something other than parenting and being in my house. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it started when she was three months old. I loved accounting and finance. And then I did corporate finance. It was just beautiful because she was such a difficult um sleeper as well I just oh I just latched onto those spreadsheets like you couldn't believe um, <laughs> but what I didn't account for was the fact that I would then have to go back to work with a one-year-old and a three-year-old and doing an MBA yeah and that took a lot of discipline time yeah. boxing a lot of support from my husband I'm just really fortunate how uh, my managers and just the broader business I worked for I really encouraged um, flexible working and actually lived and breathed it so mm. um, yeah I was able to manage I was managing well clearly my husband wasn't <laughs> but I thought it was great um, yeah it was hard really yeah. hard but I'm really glad I did it yeah yeah and just graduated I mean just finished yeah, up right so congrats finished. thank you yeah all right. Did you mention that you are thinking about having another child? Before? No, God, no. No? no okay, no. all right. percent <laughs> <laughs> done. <laughs> it's not actually it's not so much the children, it's more my body. Like I just can't yeah. go through that trauma again. Yeah. And all of that. So, yeah. So, yeah, and a bit the children. It's, it's a lot of work. It is, yeah. And it's kind of nice to have one of each. We feel like. Pressure's yeah, off. Exactly. Mm. Well, you know, I wanted to have five until I had my daughter. Wow. And okay. Like, until no. you have your daughter? <laughs> yeah. I was like, she's, if I had, so my firstborn, he's just such an angel. If I had like three yeah. or four of him, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. No sleep trauma, but this, yeah. Yeah. The sleep trauma. That's the big thing. It, it really is, yeah. You, isn't it? But you know what? Those sleep deprivation period were the things, the skills that really got me through this MBA. Because I'm like, oh, five hours sleep. Yep. Let's go. <laughs> Still high this. functioning. So how did you what was your routine to fit in the study with the working in parenting? Oh, so I run my own financial planning business. Yes. Uh, but because it's my own, I can dial it up and down as much as I want to, right? Yeah, yeah. So at the moment, I'm not taking, uh, uh, since I started the MBA, I haven't taken on any new clients. I've just been servicing my current ones. Yeah. Um, and so I officially go to the office one day a week, the day where mm-hmm. I don't have any subjects. And because yeah. I live quite far from the campus, um, mm-hmm. I live an hour and a half away each way, um, I don't tend to go to the office after unless I really have something to do Mm -hmm. um but yeah so during the four weeks that uh, the four days a week that I um go to campus I just do as much schoolwork that I need to oh yes because you're doing the full-time yes got it got it and you do it four subjects at a time yes ah that's a lot it is a lot it is a lot but as you said I love it I love the um it is intense, it is high demand, but you learn a lot. I feel yeah. like my brain's really expanding a lot. Yeah, it's completely changed the way I think about mm. the world, the way I approach problem solving. Yes. 
it's parenting even oh even in relationship right I feel like I'm a lot more centered in a way not as reactive yes Yes, more strategic and yeah Yeah. and I'm less stressed which is ironic because it was such a pressure cooker of a lifestyle for three years but I Yeah. yeah I seem to be less stressed So obviously relationship dynamics can be tricky at times. Mm-hmm. Has there been a period or a phase where things were quite spicy in your marriage life? What did you guys do to get through it? And if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently without going to the specifics if you yeah, don't want to? I think, so I'm very fortunate. My husband is very level-headed and... Mm cool, calm and collected. I, there's times that I get spicy and he's just <laughs> Let cool, you. calm and collected. Let you be here. Um, exactly. He, think there was a time when it was the peak of COVID when we weren't allowed to leave the house. Do you remember that? Yeah. Where it was like you weren't even allowed to leave your suburb. You yeah. had to just stay that's right. Yeah. Um, and as a family, like all you could do was go for a walk. So we went for a bushwalk um, mm. with the kids. I had, it was four months since I'd had more than 40 minutes sleep. So my daughter had a long story, but ultimately she had an allergy to certain proteins, which meant she was in chronic pain uh, for four oh. months and wake up every 40 minutes screaming for two hours so it was like it, I was oh broken. no yeah I was completely okay. broken I was breastfeeding and I had to cut out all these foods and ironically the only times I would break down would be like between uni subjects so not while we're studying because I just had this outlet this escapism but during the subject I remember going for a bushwalk and he's like you've been so snappy and I was like I'm breastfeeding I broke down Um, and then he just kind of went oh yeah like it he understood why I was being so snappy and I was so horrid I was pretty rancid um sleep deprivation I couldn't eat anything from a packet I couldn't have soy dairy or egg I um couldn't leave the house I couldn't see friends you couldn't go to the gym um we took our son out of daycare as well. So it was just yeah. my idea of yeah. torture. Torture. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think that was really hard for everyone, right? Every single person during that time, I think it was the second or third lockdown. It was just horrible. Um, to answer your question, how did we get through it? To be honest, it was just his grace and his kindness where he just kind of gave me this Face is like, hey, what do you need to do? I need to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And so together he was like, all right, I'm going to take over all the food stuff. So he prepped all my food because that was just Mm. doing my head in. Um, Just these little quick wins we worked out. You couldn't even have, I think there was a stage where you couldn't even have like grandparents over to help out with the kids. It was really intense. Yeah, yeah. his graciousness, open communication, and then just doing little quick wins. Also, it kind of like, well, that phased out and got a bit better. I remember maybe 
few months later is when you could finally, they just opened up um, the suburbs <laughs> pretty much. And I'd stopped breastfeeding and my husband said, you just need to go. You need to go to a hotel room in the city. I'd go book the Four Seasons for a couple of nights and just like be by yourself. Oh, so, that's so nice. So good, yeah. So I did that. Mm. And just, you know, like when you come out of mothering and just to have room service and I spent a whole day yeah. in my robe and I got massages yeah. and then I think I went to um like in museums like there were things were just it was still really like dead in the city no one was out yet. yeah um yeah. so yeah did that's just working out like trying to figure out what you need to get into a yeah. better mindset I think is yeah. what it is and I'm just yeah. really fortunate that my husband is so nurturing and caring sometimes to his own detriment because he'll put like the family ahead of him but um working out what we need and getting a plan in place and executing on it so we also once we could have grandparents over we'd schedule like grandpa this day grandma this day the other grandma this day and just had a structured time without caring responsibilities and that's kind of what helped I'm a bit more of a tactical person I'll have the big emotional sort of blow up and then go, all right, how can we problem solve and then go and fix it that way? Um, and my yeah. husband just lets me do my own. Oh, that's beautiful. Process. <laughs> that's good. And it's great for him to see that you need that break as well. Oh, he was begging me to leave. <laughs> Please go. <laughs> You're making life hell everyone. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, so Preston and Blakely, can you tell us what they're like? um Preston is an angel he's he's all his dad caring nurturing responsible great sleeper not that great eater he eats anything that's the color beige he's down for beige food and that's about it uh. <laughs> uh, which I'm sure a lot of parents can yeah empathize yeah. with um <laughs> probably takes on a bit too much responsibility because it's really cute before we're even pregnant um with my second he'd I'd be asking can I I want a baby sister can I have a baby sister please oh that's um, lovely really, really cute then he got his baby sister so Blakely came out all guns are blazing this child um <laughs> and she we joke and she has three parents it's me my husband and her older brother um he to give you an indication of his little personality, when she first started daycare, I think she was maybe eight months old, he would just hover around her. If there wasn't a teacher around, he'd go and tell the you need to go and sit with my baby sister. There's no teachers <laughs> with her. And he would like tell them it's her bedtime. And he's just this little like, yeah, was a bit, like it's beautiful. So but also, cute. Not his problem to worry about, but he's very yeah. concerned about yeah. his sister. Um, yeah that's him he loves reading books and going out to restaurants and just his calm even as a newborn in the special care unit they said this is just a calm child the temperament is is gonna you're gonna love having this temperament as a child mm. Mm. however I think as he gets older he might be influenced by people so we kind of gotta watch that his sister, on the other hand, is a firecracker. No one tells her what's what or what to do. She <laughs> yeah. will decide what she wants and she will make everyone else's life hell yeah. until she gets it. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that's a real humbling experience as a parent. Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting, like, you know, being a parent yourself, and I'm sure all your listeners as well, like, 
you can have the same DNA, the same parents, yes, the same exactly. upbringing, but they are yeah. just so different. <laughs> yeah. So different, such different temperaments <laughs> and little ways of working. And yeah, so she's um she's a lot, but I think that like we joke that she's a mini CEO. She just knows what she wants, kind of goes after it. It's going to be challenging to parent, but hopefully as a teenager, she keeps that sort of not being a follower mindset. Yeah. I hope. Okay. So when you were doing the MBA slash working and be, mm. you know, leave, uh, when you left the kids at home or either daycare or school, do you get the mummy guilt? No, and I think there's something wrong with me in this because I remember talk, talking. That's awesome. To my, well, I remember talking to my friends like, "Did you cry when you first dropped off your baby to daycare?" I'm like, no. <laughs> Should I have? I don't know. Um, I think I think my husband maybe did a little bit, but also because I. Again, amazing workplace. They let me do two days a week to start with, right? So it was like I was still um, with the children like the remaining five days of the week. Um, so for me, it was just like, yes, I get to go to the office. And I'm yeah. sitting in the office and everyone's dressed beautifully. I'm like, none of you have bodily fluids on you. This is so <laughs> nice. <laughs> like I just loved it. I loved it. Yeah. My workplace was so supportive. But yeah. I can definitely understand like a lot of friends who did have the mummy guilt. And like some people just don't have the right, not the right, but like aren't fortunate enough to have a supportive environment around them where they can be more flexible. Like if I had to go, if I had to go straight to five days, which I've had some friends, that's all their workplace would offer them, I think mm. it would be a different story. Mm. Um, mm. Also, we had that return to work coach who would kind of coach us through the emotions, like expect this and expect that and here's some coping mm. mechanisms. Mm. Um, and then also because I had the daycare that we had would let us bring him a couple of days, like before he actually started, we'd bring him in for an hour here and there every couple of days. Yeah. Um, so he knew yeah. the teachers and the teachers were really loving and nurturing. So I didn't have that mummy guilt and I think it's because I eased into it. Mm. It could also be that there's something wrong with me. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong. And, Take it as a blessing. <laughs> if it's not there, one less thing that you have to worry about. <laughs> that's, that's it. I think I got it a bit more later on with the studying. That's yeah. kind of like I just got really delayed mummy guilt, I think. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. If you could give your younger self one advice, say when you were still that little uh, young girl back in Papua New Guinea about to go back to Australia, what one advice would you give the young Rosalind? One would be stay true to yourself. Don't shrink yourself to make other people feel comfortable. Mm. You have... You know, every, everyone has their God-given talents, whatever they are. Don't shrink them for the sake of other people's comfort. I think I would say that because 
seen a lot of of myself experiences, I've seen a lot of other women experiences where you're kind of taught to be passive and say yes and make people feel comfortable, but actually that's not always living true to your talents. Um, I think a really strong leader sometimes does require making some people uncomfortable and making hard decisions. And if you're afraid to do that, then it's going to be really hard to, to live your full potential. Because if you're doing something that you really like and you're passionate about and you're supposed to do, there are going to be dissenters in the room. Yeah. Particularly if it's in a public forum. Yeah. So don't worry about it. <laughs> That's awesome. And last question is, what's your alpha mom song? So I was thinking about this. I looked through my playlist. There's, <laughs> depends on the mood, but I usually will go with the Beyonce. Yeah. I think she's just incredibly inspiring with everything she balances and her talents and what she just goes after what she's good at. My mm. song would be, oh, so many to choose from. Um, might be formation at the moment. Okay, ladies, now let's get into formation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. My clearly talented singing voice. <laughs> no, I love it. I love the move as well. <laughs> okay. So um, since finishing the MBA, you have uh, welcomed a new role, right? Can yes. you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited about this role. It's something I am quite passionate about. It is mm. in a consulting firm. And what they do is assist companies to create their strategy, but with the customer at the center of it. So looking at what's the innovation strategy, how can they meet more customers' needs? And it's by using human-centered design and design thinking to help formulate those strategies. Um, the team I'll be working with, I've met them, and they are just really mind-blowingly talented people. Um, the work they do is awesome and bespoke. And I've intentionally chosen a smaller consulting firm because it does really bespoke the work rather than having that cookie-cutter approach. Um, yeah, so really excited. I think the, the role title is officially Director of Innovation Strategy and I start in, in a few weeks. Nice. And you'll be working with your uh, ex-facilitator at the AGSM, right? Yes, exactly. Yes, he's awesome. So he taught... I think he teaches innovation in the MBA full-time. He taught me disruption and transformation. Um, nice. And he's just an incredible, incredible individual. He's got a PhD in computer science and, you know, he's a builder, starts up business, sells them. Um, yeah. Yeah, really, really, really excited for that learning journey. Now that I don't have the MBA to have to study and think about, I can just lean into that new role a new career I'm, just, I'm so excited for it yeah that's probably the highest possible um not mark but you know compliment that you can ever get from your facilitator is when they ask you to join them so oh, absolutely absolutely particularly in that that topic in that field innovation mm. right? it's just such a mm. an awesome place to be and I think it's combining the sort of the commercial more um robust accounting and finance thinking with the creative and the human-centered design and the abstract reasoning so yeah the fact that he offered me a role was was an honor and I'm so excited yeah that's awesome 
All right. Well, Roslyn, thank you so much for taking the time to share your journey with us. Thank Best you. of luck with the next chapter of your working career. And let's get, keep in touch. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Jane. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. You too. See you then. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Breadwinning Mums. Please subscribe and leave us some feedback so we can continue to make the show better for you. If you know a fellow breadwinning mum, please share the show so we can cheer each other up. Until next time.